0: I'm just in the the middle of doing a podcast, let me call you back. (laughs) (laughs) It's alright, the joys of editing. All my devices Devices linked, so my daughter calls on a FaceTime, it comes up on my iPad and you not go away.
1: Welcome back to the Run and Play podcast, a fresh take on football with no filter, no sensor and no suits. This week, we'll be talking to Matt Letitier about life after football, his career at Southampton, and his opinions on the beautiful game. We're down to a back three this week with myself, Elliot, uh, Abby, and Cameron, and we'll be doing our best to fill Liam's boots.
2: Thank you so much for joining us Matt, um, obviously don't really need much introduction um, but for those who don't know you, um, the first midfielder to reach 100 goals in the Premier League, a Southampton legend and almost perfect penalty taker um, who is now seen donning our screens on Sky Sports. Um, so thank you and welcome and i um, so glad you're with us. Um, let's talk about the Premier League, um, obviously it's now all finished, all wrapped up uh, for another season. How did you enjoy that last day?
0: um yeah it was it was actually nice to uh sit back and relax and watch the last day as opposed to uh getting nervous when saranta were involved um <laughs> so i didn't have to i didn't have any of those kind of nerves worrying that we were going to get relegated or anything like that so uh <laughs> Much, much easier to enjoy the last day when your club isn't
1: on the verge of getting relegated. <laughs> we were literally just looking at the stats for Southampton, weren't we? Yeah, um, we were. I'll let you, because you, Abby, you, you did the research. <laughs> well, the we, we were just
2: having a chat and we realised that they'd actually only lost one game since the restart, which is pretty good in itself. Not many, many teams could have said that from that, um, from that restart. So they went on that good run and obviously finished 11th in the table. Um... Mm. And uh, I think Cam mentioned it earlier that since that massive loss to Leicester so long ago now seems doesn't even seem the same season, um, they actually picked up more points than Leicester since that point.
0: And they beat them as well. Yeah, I exactly. think you would have got yeah you would have got pretty good odds on that happening uh, after that uh, rainy, windy night in October. That's for sure. Um, I was there that night. and It wasn't a particularly pleasant experience. Um, but yeah, if you would have said to me that night, oh, for the rest of the season you'll pick up more points than Leicester, I would have probably laughed at you. Um, <laughs> But it has been uh, it has been an amazing turnaround with some some fantastic results. You know, it wasn't just you know beating the teams in the bottom half of the table. Uh, you know, we picked up points against Chelsea away. You we know, beat Man City at home. We beat Spurs. Um, you know, there were some really big wins in there for us, which has given the fans and and, and me included a lot of hope for next season. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, if you'd have said to any Saints fan at the start of this season, would you take eleventh place? Yeah. Uh, that at the start of the season i think every single one yeah. of them would have gone yes please thank you very much call it call it quits um so from that point of view the season as a whole really good um and looking forward to next season with renewed enthusiasm and and renewed belief that we actually can be at
1: the top half of the table team again mm. what do you think of ralph as a manager
0: uh i th- i think he's done an amazing job um yeah. uh, i really do you know it was a tough start this season but you know, all managers go through tough spells, um, uh, and he came through that. He'll probably admit himself that he's probably a better manager because of it. Mm. You know, he probably learned a lot about himself uh, after that uh, after that defeat. And I think the um, I think the board were brilliant in sticking by him yeah, I um, so. because I think it would have been very easy for the board to just go, you know, what we've just been yeah. beaten home, we can't have that. Off you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. much uh, but they didn't. They, they believed in him. They knew that he was a good manager. Uh, and it just shows what you can do if you just stick with your manager a little bit and don't uh, fire him at the first sign of a of a bad run.
3: Yeah, Spurs fans, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of credit definitely um, to stick with him, as you say. Like no one would have been, no one really would have argued after after a 0 loss if he had gone. It would have been would a bit trigger
2: happy though. I mean, I know I know been, it was an absolute thumping People, yeah, but have, people one have gone game. for less,
3: I guess. Not, I know. They're not but... Watford.
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think I think it, it kind of came. On, on the back of a not very good start to the season as well, you know, it wasn't a, a particularly brilliant start. I mean that that nine 0 defeat, um, I think we'd only won one of our last what, five five or six Premier League games up until that point. Yeah. Um so it wasn't you know, we weren't in great form going into it. We also I think people tend to forget as well, we also lost our next three games. Mm. after that yeah yeah you know and that that for me is, is is the the incredible thing about the board sticking by it is okay it was a freak result blah 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 but then then to, to lose the next three now admittedly two of those were away at man city who basically <laughs> was in the league. and in the league in the space of the space of four or five days um but we gave them a, we gave them a decent run for their money you know we we really did have a good go at them uh, I think we, we went in front in the league game you know, we lost the, the league cup in 3-1 uh, and we got beaten late on um, you know in the uh, in the league game 2-1 so we give them two good games and then we went home to Everton and it was like okay we've given Man City a couple of good games this is a game that we should be winning um, and we, we actually lost that one 2-1 and at that <laughs> point everyone was going oh my god what are we, we going to do and then, and then the turning point came at Arsenal really when we we drew to all there um, but we really should have won that game we had more than enough chances to win the game and they equalised in like the 95th minute or something to, to nick a point but that really kind of galvanised everybody uh, and we won our next two home games which were massive against Watford and Norwich considering where those two teams are finished uh, that was two unbelievable back-to-back victories in the space of four days uh, and that's where it all turned around
2: You can always um, rely on Arsenal to give you a bit of a uh, good fortune um, <laughs> So obviously, you know, you've got so many good players actually in in the team. But one of them that's obviously stood out this season is Danny Ings. Um, you yeah. know, he's been he's been outstanding. Do you reckon he could make the England squad?
0: Uh, I I see absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be in the England squad. Yeah. You know, he's just had mm-hmm. 22 goals in the Premier League season. The only other Englishman that beat him is um, is actually uh, not not making himself available for England. So yeah. that puts him in a pretty strong position in my eyes. You know, obviously there's a lot of talent that. Um, Gareth has got to choose from Um, but given the season that he's had uh, I think it would be a a tragedy or travesty if he wasn't in the 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 next England squad
3: he's a different sort of player as well Mm. than you know any other you know striker at the moment I think you've got what Tammy Abraham and 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 obviously Harry Kane like and Jamie Jamie Vardy if he was available probably would be in the squad but he's a different type of player than 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 those those two for sure that can give a bit of a differential in in, in important games, especially off mm. the bench. And obviously he's proven yeah. he can score goals against top opponents and top defenders.
0: Yeah, uh, he's got a lot of good qualities. Um, for me, as a watching him as a, as a set forward, his movement is very good. Um, the, the only thing he probably um, doesn't have is that electric pace. Mm. Um, but he makes up for that a little bit because he's such a good thinker about the game. He reads the game very well. Um, his hold up player is very good he sees a path really well uh, and he's always alive and he, and he works his socks off for the team you know and that's a that's a hell of a lot of good qualities to have in your center forward mm.
2: I mean, Gareth Scarsgate is literally going to be completely spoiled for choice. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to have so many attacking <laughs> options. I don't know really what he's going to do with himself that, when it comes to it. That yeah. front three, that front
3: three is a choice for him. Isn't and it? now you've
2: got all these wingers that are now you know can yeah. play up front, right? yeah. <laughs> can play in that role. And everyone's talking about Jaden Sancho is obviously you're one of the first people on that team sheet. And you're mm. like, well, where's everyone going to fit? So it's going to be um...
1: the only gap for me is the
3: centre back. Like, who yeah. goes in? Who, who goes in next in to Maguire, Maguire Is is the question. It's... But Joe Gomez is sort of yeah. I think probably nailed down that position
2: looks like John Stones is well out of favourites. Yeah.
3: It's yeah. <laughs> not going to be Kyle Walker at centre-back anymore, I don't
2: think. I don't think we can do it. I was it saying Lewis that.
1: Dunk, like, why not? He, he's pretty solid. I don't know, maybe that's quite rogue. So, it's silent, a rogue shout, but rogue. There's, there's
2: always that big debate over why is it just, you know, the top yeah, kind of like true. six teams in this country get players called out. Why not? Because there, there are good individual talents that are, you know, a little bit further down, just might not be in the best squad and be in the best team and situation for them. Mm.
0: Yeah, as yeah, so, uh, somebody who, um, who probably uh, was a bit handicapped by, by playing in a team that was in the bottom half of the division most of the time, I think completely understand that point of view.
2: <laughs> Still had your caps, though, didn't you? Still had them.
0: Yeah, it would have been nice to have more. Definitely.
2: Definitely. Um, all right, so obviously we've come to the end of the season. Watford and Bournemouth have gone down. Um, was that probably the two that you thought would have gone down? Because I always thought that Watford you know, would have kind of dug themselves out of it. I thought they had enough quality to stay up. I would have probably tip Villa to go down.
0: Yeah. I think, I think when we came back from, uh, from lockdown, I think um, Watford won a couple of early games and kind of give themselves a little bit of a cushion. And it was, it was almost like, um, you know, they had the two home wins against Norwich and Newcastle. That was about, I think it was about four or five games in the end. Um, And it, and you thought at that point, oh, you know they they found a little bit of form, and then they went to West Ham and just completely almost threw the towel. I think they were three 0 down at half time, mm-hmm. and you just thought, oh blimey, where, where's that come from? Um, and then you know Villa nick a couple of results, and all of a sudden it's it's squeaky bomb time at the end, and uh, <laughs> uh, and and they couldn't they couldn't cope with it. You know they 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 had the unfortunate um, fixture pilot up, well, not the pilot, but the unfortunate fixtures at the end, where their last two games were against Man City and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So they were always going to struggle. For points in comparison to to Aston Villa's games that they have there.
2: it's um it's interesting because you wonder if they wouldn't have sacked Pearson if they might have. They might have got something out of that. They never really, they kind of did get something out of it nearly at it Arsenal. Felt, it felt like they cheated
3: yeah. up, up when they when they sacked, sacked Pearson. When they sacked and they Pearson, like, and they well, thought, well. "Yeah, he's anyway. yeah, going down." Yeah, it's just it was just well a
2: strange thing up. to do with like just like two three games left of the season. Why would you do that as a chairman?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's very, very odd, especially given the position that Watford were in when Nigel took over. I mean, it's not like he'd done a bad job. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean, know how many points they were adrift from the from safety. I think it was like six or seven points from safety when he took over. Mm. Put them in that position with with two games to go. Um, you know, I just thought it was incredibly harsh to to do that to him. Uh, and yeah, perhaps you know we'll never know, but perhaps yeah, they might have sneaked something at Arsenal mm. um, and kind of not not gone three nil down quite quickly never, um, um, never a good yeah. sign if
2: you sack your manager with two games yeah. together <laughs> <That is laughs> never both well 100%. I think really. uh, cl- clubs will learn that for future reference <laughs> um, top half of the table obviously United got uh, back into the Champions League how big is that for, for United as a club
0: I, I think it was pretty huge for them um, you know it, it kind of just gives everyone a lift it gives everyone a bit more confidence in the manager um, uh, I think it gives the fans more belief in the manager and that's kind of how you how you build a football club. Um, you know, you just do it step by step. Um, uh, and I think the way that they finished the season was, you know, pretty impressive. And, and to sneak that third place—I mean, nobody would have said they would have got third place. Kind of, <laughs> when you look at the table at Christmas time, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty good achievement in the end by, by Oli. Obviously, Fernandes came in and, and made a real big difference to that team. Mm. Um, and he got these attacking players um, really and. Uh, Mason Greenwood, I think, is going to be an absolute superstar. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Um,
0: you know, that is you know, a fantastic return he's given them this mm. season in terms of goals and his performances. I think there's a, they've got a real superstar in their hands there. You know, to mm. go alongside uh, a Marcus Rashford, who's you know just a, a couple of three years ahead of him in his development. You just look at Mason Greenwood and think, if you develop at the same pace mm. that uh, that Marcus does, geez, we have got talent on our hands.
3: Yeah. Yeah, again, going back to being spoiled for choice. That's for England, another one. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Offensive exactly. options. Absolutely. And
2: imagine if they get Sancho. Yeah. Wow! God, they've
3: they'll be right. uh... a yeah. uh, front many, three there. Yeah. yeah,
1: how many? How many like front forward players? <laughs> Enough. <laughs> <laughs> I they've got Martial as Let well. Let someone so. else have a go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, uh, FWA Player of the Season was obviously given to uh, Jordan Henderson, and there's much debate over whether or not that was deserved. If it should have been Kevin De Bruyne, what's your view on that? Who would have you given it to?
0: Um, I would have probably have given it to Kevin De Bruyne, uh, if I'm honest. Um, uh, and I, I understand the reasons why Jordan Henderson was given the award, but for me, I always felt like. What your team achieves actually isn't that relevant to an individual award. Mm-hmm. An individual, yeah. you know, you get a medal at the end of the season because you're part of a good team. When you come to a, a player of the year, you're then scrutinising the individual player's ability mm-hmm. on the football pitch and what he does uh, and what he what he gives to his team. Um, you know, and Kevin de Bruyne has just, for me, at times this season, been on a different planet in terms of his ability, the passes that he sees. Um, I think he uh, equalled Henri's record for assists in the in season yeah. and it's not just the fact that he was assisting these goals some of the assists I mean the ball that he was playing whipped across that, that six yard box for somebody to tap in at the near post his vision and his pace of pass is just absolute perfection um, and I think I think if you ask Jordan Henderson himself he'd probably <laughs> be the first person to say Do you know what I, I'm not really as good as Kevin De Bruyne yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think he would. You got to be honest about it. Kevin De Bruyne is a is a is a better footballer. Uh, yeah. Period. Yeah. Is there any argument about that? Um, the only argument you can then have is okay. Has he has he played consistently well over the season? Yes, we know he's a better footballer. But has he produced that over the season? And if you look at his performances, kind of, yeah, he yeah, has quite a lot actually. Um, and so yeah, I would have I would have probably given it to uh, to De Bruyne over Henderson because I I'm able to look at it. I think I look at it in a different way than than what perhaps other people do in terms of it being an individual award based on your individual performance, not on what
1: you what you've been part of as a team. Mm. For me, it's like if you take if you take that player and you put them in any team, do they perform in the same way? Or do they yeah. get the same results? Mm. Probably. You I mean, the, l- 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 the, question,
0: the question that I would ask is if you put Jordan Henderson into Bournemouth team mm. would they have stayed up probably. and if they put Kevin De Bruyne that's into the question. Bournemouth team would they have stayed up yes, yeah.
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, that's the answer but I We've think practiced. I think most people We've look practiced. at it how you look at it and I mean I don't know about you guys but I would also be for De Bruyne yeah. over, yeah, over probably, Henderson probably, so yeah. it's just you, you wonder why they, they gave that award to, to Henderson was it more of a like sympathy thing
1: everyone loves Liverpool and,
2: of course know.
0: I'll tell you why they do it because they and this is this is the we're talking about the football journalists, here on yes yeah. mm. they don't like to be part of the uh, they, they like to think that they're a bit cleverer than everyone else and that they <laughs> different everyone else we've got and the soundbite we like to,
1: sound
0: <laughs> like to go against the narrative
1: yeah that's true they're a bit and they to don't, like they're they're a bit don't,
0: sometimes indie. they just don't like to be too obvious and yeah. uh, they like to think that they're being clever by going oh yes but Jordan Henderson he was big influence on his team and, and i'm not saying he wasn't because he was yeah. but an individual award is about the individual's ability and yeah. their performances that they perform oh yeah. you've got no. me
1: thinking about conspiracies now, like, conspiracies <laughs> in football Cons- never <laughs> never they just, they just wanted
3: everyone to be talking about the football writers association for another couple of weeks there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a media spin oh my god i think i think yeah I, I think about it in exactly the same way the same as the ballon d'or like mm. if 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 Barcelona don't win the Champions League, I still think Lionel Messi has been the best player, and that—that's you know—and who I would actually prefer to watch on a you know, do I sit there and watch Jordan Henderson highlights on YouTube? Not, not really. I'm not
2: sure if anyone watches
3: Jordan Henderson <laughs> But like, Henderson I would absolutely love to watch him highlights of Kevin De Bruyne spraying passes around and, and you know finding the top corner from every single angle. So yeah, I think that's that's how I would. Did you say it as well? i not conscious that Jordan Henderson's yeah. probably never, ever going to come on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. I would, if Jordan,
2: well Jordan, we done, like you. We come do, on. Yeah. No, I'm, not,
1: you. Hey, I'm
0: not in any way deriding the ability of Jordan Henderson because I think this season he has been uh, fantastic. And he's been such an improved player from when he first went to Liverpool. It, 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 yeah. It's quite yeah. dramatic, the, the difference in his performances. So uh, it's not in any way trying to deride Jordan at all because mm. I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's done um, a
1: fantastic job for, for Liverpool as a captain and he mm-hmm. goes straight into the England squad as well so.
3: definitely I'm glad to have him there he's, he's also got an incredible trophy lift if you <laughs> he to it that, he has an incredible trophy lift it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely Champions League one and the Premier League one they were incredible and it was
2: a massive crowd he lifted it to as well so. <laughs> yeah with his mum playoffs uh, we've actually got a game going on right now which was um, 1-0 is it still 1-0 Matt or is it uh... still,
1: 1-0, yeah. still yeah, 1-0 still 1-0
2: um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you watched Brentford last night, but we were talking about it before and we thought they were outstanding.
0: I saw the highlights, yeah. I mean, I watched them, uh, I watched them a couple of weeks ago um, on um, Soccer Saturday and I just, uh, I just thought, wow, mm. this is a team that, that can really play and I really, them a, I really bigged them up. And then they, then they went and lost to Stoke and Barnsley. <laughs> oh I know nothing about football.
3: What am I doing? Um, but no, cursed.
0: I did. I, some of the football they played was was just uh, breathtaking. It really was. I, um, I mean, those the, the boys up front. Obviously, uh, Ollie Watkins had an absolutely fantastic season. Um, they really have. I think it was. Uh, oh, I was. Um, I'm just trying to remember ben, the game. Ben
2: I, Rama. Ben oh, Rama up I'll, front too.
0: Yeah. Derby. Yeah, when I watched them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I was trying to remember the game that I saw them. It was against Derby at Derby, uh, and they battered them three-one. Honestly, it could have been five or six. Derby were never in it, um, and that's when I, I went, Core blimey, this this team are going up." Mm-hmm. And I really thought they were going to go up automatically, and they just blew the chance. I think it's probably just just got a little bit tight near the end, you know, um, got a little bit nervous, but they gathered themselves up and and you know did really well to to overturn that that deficit from the first leg, which. You know, it was a little bit. I thought it was a little bit harsh—the the red card—and um, yeah. You know, so, uh, I think for me, the, the better team won over the two
1: legs for sure. I was about to say, how do we think they'll do in the Premier League? They haven't made it yet. Have they they? Haven't made it yet. We've still
2: got the uh, we've still got the playoff <laughs> no. first. Who um who do you think will go through tonight?
0: I think Fulham will go through tonight. I think they're a, I think they're a, a classier team than than Cardiff. Although Neil Harris done an incredible job getting Cardiff where they are. Uh, from where they were when he took over. Uh, and with the squad that he's got, I really think, you know, he has shown really, really good qualities as a manager to get them in that position. Um, so I really, I, you know, I almost hope that that, that Cardiff do do it because I think Neil's done a trivial job. And then you look in the other W out and go, well, Scotty Parker, again, and, and mm. another young manager uh, doing, a, doing a cracking job, um, you know, under difficult circumstances. Um, you know either one of them went up I'd be delighted for, for both managers to be honest but I think Fulham just have a little bit more quality mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a bit to be
3: of, of a soft spot for Fulham and, and Scott Parker and I think as an away day in the Premier League everyone does like Craven Cottage back in as, a, as an away day and as a stadium, but wouldn't you like someone new? I feel
2: like always the same teams. Yeah, I mean, obviously Bar leads, but West Brom go up and down. Fulham go up and down. You know, even you know Swansea were going up and down. So to have someone like like Brentford who who haven't been it's in different. it, it's something different. Same when Sheffield came up, and it's just a bit of fresh air on it. And um, sometimes I think you know you've had too many chances in the West Broms <laughs> and that, and it's, it's everyone knows you're nailed on for a one-all draw next season. Yeah. So <laughs> I,
0: I definitely agree with that, and also it you know. From, a, from the romantic side of things you know wouldn't it be fantastic for them to start their their first ever season in their new ground in the premier yeah. League mm-hmm. you know obviously with no fans there but uh, yeah. it, it would be it would be quite fitting I think if uh, if they were able to do that um, and it would be the 50th team to play in the Premier League if they do you know and that's a pretty good achievement in was it now 20 or oh, 28 years is it mm. uh, yeah. of the Premier League um, for that for that to be 50 teams out of the 92 to have had a season at least in the Premier League I think that's a that's a pretty special achievement mm. It's amazing
1: never thought of it like that yeah. it's, it's like 50% but... yeah well good, good maths good, so. yeah. good, good maths <laughs> all of that all of that
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well just uh, that one small tiny game uh, <laughs> stopping them so far yeah. <laughs> next week um, alright so we're going to move on we're going to talk about you a little bit more which is um, obviously great because that's why you're here um, and <laughs>
1: We could talk about you we, when you're not here. We That's could, but we'll,
2: we'll do it with you. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said earlier, most people, you know, probably would recognise you nowadays um, if they didn't watch you while you were playing for Soccer Saturday. Um, take us and tell us a little bit, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, because it's always looking pretty manic on a match day.
0: Um, yeah, so my, my normal Saturday routine would be uh, I'd get picked up here. Um, they send the car to come and pick me up at uh, about quarter past nine on a Saturday morning uh, which is very nice because I can sit in the back of the car and do all my research uh, (laughs) on the way up and it's all fresh in my mind when I go on the show so that's quite handy although since we've gone back from lockdown chauffeurs have been out the window so (laughs) I've had to drive myself. (laughs) Uh, so I've had to do all me swatting up before I get in the car Um, but yeah that then we get up there for I normally get up for about half 10 quarter to 11 we have a a chat in the office uh, with the boys and Jeff it's all very very relaxed very laid back um, we, we do very little in the way of you know we don't have rehearsals or anything like that in fact Jeff doesn't even tell us what we're going to be talking about because I think part of the show for for what they want is instant honest reactions from you mm. so you don't have time to think about a contrived answer that you think might be politically correct or mm. uh, or you don't want to offend a certain team or certain team supporters um, so we don't know what questions are coming um, and he just he does pretty much 90% of the work that goes into the show really, uh, And we just, we just sit there and just give our experiences from, from what we've done in our careers give our opinions on what we think about the game and, and the decisions that we made the previous week, um, so we have a chat, you know, just football gossip really, who we've spoken to in the week uh, you know, all the little, the little tidbits that you find out from your contacts in the game um, and then about half eleven, we'll go down. Uh, we have a bit of makeup put on, stop us from shining on the telly. <laughs>
3: um,
0: and then uh, and then it's in the studio and just waiting for the cameras to start rolling at midday. And uh, and away we go. And it's just uh, it's just the most relaxed way that I can think of of staying involved in football. I didn't really want to go down the coaching management side of things. You know, it's such a, a precarious job in terms of you know one minute you you you're there at a football club and 24 hours later you could be sacked on your way and you know you're just on the scrap heap and what you're going to do from there
1: mm. uh,
0: and i didn't i was never really cut out for for coaching or management or anything like that so for me the media route was you know uh the, the best way for me to stay involved in the game without the pressures of of kind of losing my job um now you know <laughs> The only, way, the only pressure you've got about losing your job now is just make sure you don't swear live on telly <laughs>
2: <laughs> I still think you might be okay on it I mean Soccer Saturday is iconic I mean I've always grown up watching it I'm sure yeah. you two have as yeah. well yeah. you know always with Jeff and Jeff and the boys and everything and it's always so funny the, be- the best things that you see at the end of the season are all the bloopers and stuff yeah. like that that's always <laughs> the, best, the best part of it
1: Mum used to come into the room and be like are you still watching this because obviously if you're not watching it fully and you're looking at a screen yeah. as a visual it's the same visual yeah. for four hours but for some I'm well, not for some reason we know why because of the good um you know chat and stuff like that but it's the same thing and, um but yeah it still stays interesting I'm like yes mum I am still watching Saturday. <laughs> it's, it's fun it's literally How, a it whole safer. <laughs> yeah
3: by the way this isn't my mum like a couple of days ago this is. <laughs> when I was younger
2: sure sure
3: sure <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a really interesting segue into sort of what what we wanted to talk about in terms of life after football and 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 into retirement you mentioned there obviously not going into the precarious role of coaching and and moving into a pundit how 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 quickly did you feel you transitioned into the role as a pundit was it was it quite an easy one for you or did did you did it did it take time to adjust
0: um yeah it probably did take a bit of time to adjust to it to be honest um you know i had no training um, it was literally a case of throwing you in front of a camera and see if you could speak coherently enough um, and put your thoughts across in a way that the, the, the average football fan is going to understand. Um, and I'd like to think that I've been able to do that and uh, obviously I've, because I probably wouldn't have been in the job for as long as I have now if I couldn't. Um, so I think for me, I've, I've, football's always been my my... Passion enough. I love sport. I love, a lot. A lot. I love a lot of different sports. Football has always been my number one passion, and it's it's the one that I was the best at. Um, so I always feel like I can speak from a point of view of kind of knowing what goes on in the game and and give my experiences of that and, and try and inform people uh, who perhaps haven't been at the level where where we played at of what it's like. To be there and, and what goes on at that level, because um, if you haven't ever experienced it, it, it's difficult to understand it completely. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely. And that's
3: what everyone wants to
0: hear more of. I think. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I know everything about football. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I've I've experienced it. If you've not experienced that, there are certain things about it that you can't fully comprehend. And that's not yeah. saying that football fans don't understand football. Uh, I'm just saying that there's there's a lot of football fans who love their football and understand it. And, some, and I've come across a lot of football fans that understand the tactics of the games better than I do. You know, I was never really one for, uh, you might have noticed when I was playing, I wasn't really one for tactics. I, I tended to kind of do my own thing a little bit and that's probably what got me dropped out of the team on a few occasions Uh, by managers who didn't appreciate that I wasn't following instructions and I was just kind of out there just because I I felt something in a game and I felt I should be in a different position to try and influence a game Uh, and some managers didn't like that, they liked to be regimented in their positions and uh, and so um, yeah it kind of cost me uh, a few few appearances.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You didn't do too bad though from it. from that experience, what what advice would you give to a footballer that's coming to the end of their career, especially with all the you know the mental health aspects and things like that? Do the Do the PFA help in you know that transition or? Uh...
0: Uh, I think the PFA are there if you need help. If you if you feel like you you, you uh, are struggling with that, then there are people available to you, um, uh, and so there is that help there. I was really fortunate in a way um, when I when I was coming towards the end of my days. I I had, uh, what's the best way to describe it? I I had a gradual wind down towards retirement, if that makes sense. So the last three years of my career, I kind of played less and less games each season due to injuries. Uh, And so it was was kind of easy for me because I saw it coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was kind Mm of, yeah, 20 appearances that season, 10 the next, five the next, and it was like yeah my body can't really cope with this anymore, uh, and so I kind of knew it was my time and, and I'd kind of mentally prepared for that, you know well in advance if I'm mm. honest so the the mental health side of things didn't really affect me you know and I think it probably would have done if I'm honest, if I'd have gone from playing forty games a season, yeah to all of a sudden going, bang, no mm. more football yeah uh, i think and I think that is the the real hard part for any footballer who has been at the top of their game and still playing consistently, being in the the first team, being the first pick on the team sheet and then coming to the end of that season and the next season just going, botch, no more football. Um, You know, There's no gradual step down into that and that's a big shock for the system. Mm. Um, And so I was pretty fortunate that I I didn't have that to deal with, I think, and and that kind of helped me.
1: Do you think there's more kind of, um, because I suppose it's more People are more aware of mental health nowadays than they were um, previously. Do you think there's more kind of help than there was? Do you think there's more opportunities? Do you think there's more different things that players can then go and do after playing football?
0: Um, I think if, if you're looking for a career in the media, um, I think there's a hell of a lot more opportunities now than there probably was 20 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the Premier League is just continually growing. Um, it's you know it's a worldwide phenomenon with so many broadcasters taking um, the feeds from all the Premier League games. So there's a lot of work out there. Um, but I guess it, it's I, I kind of had a lucky break. You know, I was when I first retired for the first two or three years, I was kind of just doing little bits and pieces here and there, a little bit with with um, BBC on Football Focus, a little bit with Sky filling in for, for the boys when they were on holiday. You know the George Best and Frank McClintocks, those boys back then, um, and I and I wasn't contracted to anybody. I was just freelance, and they'd just ring me up and go, "Can you do this, Saturday And, and I'd be like, "Yeah, it's fine, no problem." And it was all pretty relaxed. And then um, I, I don't know if you remember, but um, back in 2005, just after the tsunami had happened on Boxing Day in uh, Southeast Asia, mm. Rodney Marsh made a joke on uh, on um, the program you're on, Sky Sports, you used to have a phoning show with Rob McCaffrey and uh and rodney marsh and rodney told a joke live on air uh, about the the tsunami oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, yeah exactly and so he was he was immediately sacked the next yeah. day he was gone um and so i kind of i kind of just happened to be in the right place at the right time and, and sky rang me up and went can you do this saturday show <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like yeah no problem i can do that and then after that saturday they went uh this is in january end of January. And then they went, um, you can do every Saturday between now and the end of the season. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no problem. That's fine. And so I did that. Um, still not under contract or anything. Uh, so I just get paid per appearance. Uh, and then at, uh, I got a text in the summer. Um, about, I think it must've been about mid July. Um, and it was from the producer of the show. Uh, and he texted me and went, um, uh, we'd like you to um, sign a one-year contract to do stuff with that. So, uh, so me being the the um, the master negotiator that I am, I uh, I texted back and I went, well, to be honest, I said one year is kind of no neither here nor there because I'd have to then stop doing all the other work for BBC and ITV and whatever I was doing. Um, I'd I'd be exclusive to Sky. So I said, well a year's neither here nor there. I said, so, either make it two years or I'll just carry on with my am. <laughs> <laughs> and, bear in mind, that was in the middle of July. So I didn't have my age, I didn't have an agent do it. For me. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the middle of July. Um, I then uh, I then started the season with them on a non-contract basis still. And they never, they never got back to me. So I did the first couple of shows of the season and they just paid me as well. and then i got a text about two weeks into the season uh and so so this is now like the beginning of september whereas my reply was in the middle of july and uh and they waited six six or seven weeks to go yeah all right we'll give you two years <laughs> i was like whoo thank you for that you're i are on I trial. it you're
1: on trial yeah well, it, worked, it
2: worked out well because how many years you've been doing it now matt
0: uh, so next season will be my uh, 16th season under contract. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I reckon they like you then. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm <they're>
0: staying. <laughs> the two year deal has been extended.
2: <laughs> what would uh, What would you say your biggest achievement has been in the game?
0: Oh, uh, playing for my country is by far and away. You know that. Um, me growing up as a kid uh, in Guernsey, where nobody from Guernsey had ever played for England before um and i grew up with an ambition to to be a professional footballer to play for my country um and so you know that that day back in march 1994 was just just the best day of my life you know i, you know, mm-hmm. I came on as a sub with the english shirt i'll my family up in the stand it was just a, a amazing and just um could not have i could not have dreamt that i would have done it when when i was kind of eight or nine years old really when, I, when that was kind of what i wanted to do um, you yeah, know, it just seemed such a long way off, and uh, and eventually, at the age of 25, well, I got there.
1: Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, it's an amazing story. I can't even, like you just said um, a minute ago, you can't even imagine as a fan what that must be like.
2: Yeah, putting on that jersey, and you think so many people that there was always those games where they said, "Oh, it's only an England game," and like yeah. players would pull out, and you think what a privilege that yeah. like, is to play for your cl- uh, for your play for your country, and. I mean, I could never imagine, I mean, not that I would actually get a chance to play for the men's England team, but um, you guys, (laughs) if if you were in that position, I mean, could you guys ever see yourself, you know, having a back injury or something off the top of your head? I've
1: got got to the point where I've had to accept seeing that Harry Kane is 27, he's got three kids, married, England captain, I'm 27 and actually a little bit older than him. I've just now accepted it's probably not (laughs) going (laughs) to happen. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm incredible, can't imagine.
3: Yeah, I've got the injuries excuse. I just say <laughs> I had, had a couple of injuries that held me back. Chris um, Wilder wouldn't be happy with that excuse. No, yeah, def- definitely haven't. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely didn't, would never have had the opportunity. <laughs> but um, but yeah, also also wanted to ask as well. Just um, like Griffin Park is obviously um, ending now with a new new stadium coming, but and those old we talked about those old style grounds as well before. But what's the what's the best stadium? and slash atmosphere you've been you've played in
0: um well so the, the best stadium i played in was the old wembley you know that's that was kind of every, every kid's dream um so to, to get to the play there was pretty special in terms of club uh, grounds um i would say anfield was pretty special um you know to for me growing up in the in the 70s uh, kind of late 70s i was kind of 10 11 years old when liverpool winning, winning the european cup you know numerous times um, hmm. to then go and play at anfield and stand there at 5 to 3 on a saturday when the 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 cop ends singing you'll never walk alone all the scarves are up it really was one of those moments it was like you get the, you get the little chills and you just go, oh. and uh, it was pretty special moment to to play in that stadium uh, when the crowd were were like that behind them, for me, um, you know, as a, as a kid growing up as well, it was always it was always very special for me to go and play at White Hart Lane because obviously I was a Spurs fan as a kid. So uh, any trip to White Hart Lane um, got the juices flowing a little bit better for me. But, it, but in terms of in terms of atmosphere, um, I, I'd have to say um, I played at the old Den. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cold Blow Lane. Um, probably the most hostile atmosphere I think I ever played in. It really was a um, an, an not very nice environment to try and <laughs> play football. I mean, I was in those days, I was like 21, I was playing on the right wing. So I was like, right up against the cage on the far side where all the dockers were and it was just horrific abuse the whole game. And, um, I, and I remember we, um, we were losing 2-1 and we got a penalty in the last minute of the game. And it was the only time in my career where I actually thought, "I'm not sure I want to score this," <laughs> 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 because I knew the that views I was going to get. Um, yeah, but I did, and we drew two. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was pretty hostile. I tell you, Ellen Road was also a really good atmosphere to play in. Actually, that yeah. was, mm-hmm. that, you know, on a different scale in terms of the amount of people that were in the ground and the uh, and the hostility that uh, that came from those terraces as well. That was uh, that was pretty impressive.
1: Those two are always the ones where my grandpa says the most scary fans in the league. I think he had an experience in the seventies where he said, "I oh, was in, is in Leeds." Um, I mean, yeah, he's just fear. He always put fear into my heart. But I just want to experience it. So I can't wait I. for Leeds to come. I hope um, that fans little, are allowed. to...
2: I hope that you know they let they let fans go to the away games. I hope that we don't um, don't miss yeah, it true. when um, the fixtures
1: it's come
2: a about. Game that, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So in current shape. <laughs> Out of all the boys on uh, Soccer Saturday, and there's, uh, there's quite a few of them, <laughs> who do you reckon could play a full fi- uh, a full 90 minutes?
3: And perform, um, and perform <laughs> to the highest level. To the
2: highest possible level.
0: I think it's probably Merce at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, he's, he's in pretty good shape at the minute, yeah. I mean, he, he got quite fit for the old Harry's Heroes second yeah. series, and um, uh, and he's managed to, to keep it off and carried on training. So, uh, yeah, and he's, and he's still got it as well. You know, he's still... <laughs> He, he still knows how to get a ball around a football pitch, so
1: uh, I'd probably say that.
3: No. That was a great show. That was a great show, Harry Zeroes. Yeah, um, really, enjoyed yeah really
1: enjoyed that. Um, so my, I got a question. Basically, I asked um, my football team mm-hmm. at work, and one of them's a big, a big Saints fan. He said, "You have to ask. You have to ask Matt about the infamous Ali Dia experience <laughs> um, and get him to tell that story." So, um, <laughs> would you mind? Would you mind um, indulging us?
0: No problem at all. Um, so from from my memory, uh, I, I see this lad come and train with us. Um, to, I think he turned up kind of halfway through the week as as I seem to remember. I remember on the Friday morning, we, we were due to play Leeds on the Friday, on the Saturday, on the Friday morning we had a 5 aside. Um, side as we, as we normally do, you know, old against young all that business. And it uh, gets quite competitive on a Friday morning. And this and this lad was playing, and, and, I'm, and I'm looking at him. And I'm going, "What is he doing here? <laughs> what is he doing here? He, he can't trap a ball. It's like what? That." And I, I didn't know the the situation at the time about the the whole George Ware uh, recommendation, yeah, of his yeah. Cousin and all that stuff. At this point, I knew nothing about this, and I'm just watching this kid in training, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself. Has he won a competition to come and train with us or something? Like <laughs> right, in the local paper, uh, because it was like you uh, can't be a professional footballer surely. And um, and so uh, so that was on the Friday. And after that after that five aside, I went and take some penalties, just practice uh, some penalties. And just as I went to take the last penalty, as I as I struck the last penalty, I just felt a little twinge in my thigh muscle. And I was like, oh, that that felt a bit odd. Um, yeah, so I stopped taking penalties i kind of walked off and it was like eased off a little bit i thought well that's not too bad i'll see how it is overnight um and then you know if i can still feel it tomorrow i'll have a word with the manager so anyway we turn up at the dell next day three o'clock kickoff so we're in their change room at half one uh and this this lad sat in the change rooms (laughs) and i was like wow that was a really good competition he won he's going to get through the team talk (laughs) and everything And, uh, and then Graham soon has named the team and he names the subs and he names this kid on the bench and I look around the rest of the stands, I'm going what? what what what's going on here and then sure enough about 25 minutes into the game I went to cross a ball with my right foot and that same spot in my thigh just went ping and I was like oh no I oh, oh, what? and I've had, to, I've had to get substituted so uh uh, you can imagine my, my delight when I looked over on the bench, I went, I've got to come off and this kid standing on the touchline, <laughs> ready to come on for me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this. Yes, and then he was on for about 45 minutes, ran around a bit, missed an absolute sitter. And Graham soonest finally realised that actually he couldn't play very much. Uh, <laughs> he substituted him off again. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was quite an amazing story really um and it, it just transpires he, you know he's widely regarded as probably the worst player ever to play in the Premier League and, and I have the dubious honour of being the bloke that he came on yeah. for
1: <laughs> what, what's going through your head at that point when you're coming off the pitch are you kind of almost glad that you're getting replaced by him so you know your position's safe or are you thinking <laughs> uh, oh no. god he's got to try and score some goals for Southampton no what's
0: going on in my head is I actually think I should stay on because with one leg I'm probably better <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yes. You're probably be right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, definitely
2: right. Did yeah. Did anyone ever pull up George Weir for that? Or
0: I don't know if anybody's ever spoken to George about it because obviously it clearly wasn't um, him on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was obviously Ali Deer on the phone pulling a fast. Um, but I actually spoke to to Grant Sooners about it a few weeks ago. Um, we did a show together, the football show on Sky, and, and and he tells the story a little bit differently to try and Um, uh, so he says that we had a bit of a a real injury crisis with the forwards and we had no other choice but to put him on the bench Um,
2: whatever helps him sleep at night
0: (laughs) which I'm not being funny uh, I mean I played on the on the right side of midfield that day as I recall and um, and so when I I came off the other substitutes that day that were used uh, one of them was Robbie Slater who actually played right midfield? He chose to put <laughs> Ali Dier on instead oh. of him. <laughs> oh, no, that,
3: could right? that could be worse.
0: That could be Robbie Slater.
3: He's blagged his way there. He's done a he's done it brilliantly. <laughs> um, so towards the end of the show, um, we have a quick fire round—is what we're calling it—name TBC mm-hmm. still. still. <laughs> um, but basically, first answer comes to your head. Um, yeah, we'll just go from cool. there. We'll start off go nice and it. easy. Start off nice and easy with Southampton or Portsmouth. Uh, (laughs) Uh, getting more tricky as we go on but Messi or Ronaldo Messi a 40 yard screamer or a tiki tacker team goal 40 yard screamer Lampard or Gerrard Lampard as a manager or as a player (laughs) both
0: you didn't specify (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: Nike or Adidas uh Nike? Suit manager or tracksuit manager? If you were a manager. If you were a manager. Jeans and t-shirt manager. <laughs> Champions League or Premier League? Oh,
0: I'd go Premier League.
3: And then following on from that, England win the World Cup or Southampton win the Premier League?
0: Uh, as much as i love Southampton England winning the World Cup would have to be I've never seen it in my lifetime and I want to see it so I'd have to go for that
1: absolutely we, we were just talking about it before we came on we, we
3: probably spoke about it for about half an hour <laughs> England winning the World Cup or, yeah, or... or your team winning the Premier League <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: it all depends on how I guess on how patriotic you, you think yourself of uh, really I know a lot of people that would disagree with you and would, go, would disagree with me and say that their club winning the Premier League would, would be above England winning the
1: World Cup but not for me. Just imagine that, that the scenes that we got to see when we got to the semis, yeah. and we didn't win, and it was just I like celebrating a
0: winning goal at social distance, two metres. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's, it's exactly that. It's, it's, you know, obviously in your own bubble of your team winning the Premier League, it's an incredible, incredible day or a whole year, but, you know, when the country sort of comes together at two metres. To win to win the World Cup, like you can't you can't really get better than that for me.
1: Yeah. I remember how how mad everyone went when we won the um the Rugby World Cup. Mm. Yeah. And that's rugby. <laughs> it, it's a it's a lovely feeling of could being somewhere. So yeah, yeah, no, we'll cut that.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a it's a really nice feeling of being patriotic. But for me, there would nothing nothing would make me personally happier than than seeing Tottenham winning a Premier League. I could probably then die the next day and be like, <laughs> "That's all I needed. I'm off."
3: It's so definitely, what we thought about the Champions League as well. Yeah, you
2: know, same same goes goes for that too. Um, I mean, surely Matt, as a Southampton fan, I mean, seeing Southampton win the Premier League would probably be quite an achievement that you'd. <laughs> you want to see as well
1: what do you think is more like oh no I, absolutely but i
0: was only allowed to choose one so uh... <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah <laughs> we're not breaking yeah, blame, down blame i'm not very
2: the patriotic question. then fine <laughs>
3: fine uh yeah it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure um talking to you and you've got some incredible answers in there incredible yeah. uh sound bites that i'm sure we'll be posting out um but no absolutely thank you so much for coming on um, no problem and enjoy, your, enjoy your evening and um, hopefully again we, we can we can speak we can speak soon on another podcast yeah. yeah maybe in person no problem at all yeah in person maybe in person one day oh, yeah. one day yeah. <laughs> that'll be nice it? when all this is over yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> hopefully so but thank you so much for joining us you've been a star thank you so much
0: you're welcome guys take thank
2: care thank Matt
1: thank you so much enjoy good
2: evening. Game. Bye. bye bye bye
3: thanks for listening to the second episode of the run of play podcast and thanks of course to matt letizia for joining us make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and also follow us on twitter and instagram we're at run of play pod we'll be back next time with another expert guest and we hope to see you then